0: This is the 90 Plus Podcast. With your host, Ben Rigetti and Sebastian Pereira. Welcome to episode 12 of the 90 Plus Podcast. Myself, Ben Rigetti, as always, joined by my co host, the newly turned 19, Sebastian Pereira. Sebastian. Happy belated birthday. Welcome on the show. We've got a lot to talk about today. Obviously, the Whitecaps got their first game of the tournament under their belts. They didn't quite go their way, blowing a 3-1 lead late, losing 4-3 to the San Jose Earthquakes. So lots to unpack in that one. They're going to get into some player ratings, some just overall match reactions, and then we'll end up with a couple uh, minutes of previewing the Seattle game in a couple of days' time this Sunday. But Before we get into any of that, Sebastian, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Ben. Uh, Thanks so much for the birthday wishes. Uh, Of course, it was great for the Whitecaps to get me uh, three goals. Um, I remember back in 2015, they played SKC uh, on July 14th, which is like the day of my birthday. And that was five years ago, and I didn't get a single goal that day. Um, But at least yesterday, I got three goals. Uh, Can't complain about that. But there are a lot of things to talk about. As you said, um, it didn't quite go our way. Uh, I I mean, we didn't really expect much going into this game, to be honest. We didn't expect the Whitecaps to really be so threatening on the counter too much and really test the earthquakes too much. Um, There wasn't really a a very clear idea of how this game would play out. Um, But it's safe to say we would have probably thought it wouldn't be this bad yeah
0: we uh it, it was a surprise for sure and yeah. uh not all surprises are good as we saw last night uh former white cap shay salinas that's, a, that's gonna be difficult <laughs> um yeah former white cap shay salinas grabbing the 98th minute winner against his old club and really just heartbreaking fashion but i mean,
1: ninety it, plus. It,
0: it, wasn't, it was it was literally plus. ninety plus. So I mean, Chase Salinas, we got to have you on the show. You know, almost congratulate <laughs> you, but at the same time, you know, it's it's you've you've got to defend to the whistle. And one team did, one team didn't. One team got three points, and one team didn't. It the game deserved to you know San Jose did deserve all three points. Let's be honest. Anyone who watched that game can really not can't really make a case for the White Caps saying they were the better side. They had moments, for sure. There's no denying that. They looked good in little splashes here or there. But really, I just think San Jose got a good foothold right from the beginning, even though it was an early lead for the Whitecaps, 2-0 up inside 22 minutes. But again, I just think from then on out, it was really San Jose all the way. And uh, it was yeah, it was a difficult one to watch for a Whitecaps perspective.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it was difficult. And... I mean, you, you you still have to consider this was the first game in four months for the Whitecaps, and um, of course, this whole pandemic has slowed things a lot down the season. But um, I mean, you would have thought there would have been at least like a bit more oomph to the defensive game of the Whitecaps. There's there's so much to talk about in this game, and I think I think it's great the fact that we were able to talk about this again, the fact that there's a there's a game happening, and we're we can actually break it down, and it's still good to be able to do that, of course, but um, it, it, it's, it's – of course, you you do expect a lot more, and as Ben said, you anybody who watched the game knows that San Jose thoroughly deserved it. They deserved to win. They were super threatening um, wherever they were on the pitch, and they ultimately didn't let the Caps play out of their own half. It was difficult. Um, very rarely did the Caps have any spell of possession, I think, Um if we go back to the first 10 minutes, that was probably the most dominating part of the White Whitecaps performance. They had mm-hmm. possession, dominated possession throughout the first 10 minutes. And then it was just kind of all earthquakes from that. And we hit them on the counter a couple of times, but we never had a really solid string of possession after it was, it was difficult. I mean, where should we start? Do we, do we start from the
0: 10 minutes and hours? I, 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 we'll start from the beginning. We'll start from, like we said, it was a good first 10 minutes or so. The Whitecaps got the first goal of the game, so we'll break that down. Ali Adnan, the left back, uh, went on a pretty nice run. He, got, he, and he did this a lot, and this is what I really like about Ali Adnan's game. He gets forward, and he doesn't always do it with the ball. You know, he'll, make, he'll see the vision, he'll see the space, and he'll make those runs through, and he'll cut inside and play a little bit more central if he has to, to pick up the ball and drive it 20 yards forward. He will do that, and that's something that, as an attacking fullback, I really like to see from my defender. So he, doing what he does best, cut inside onto his right foot and just curled it so, so sweetly so nice. into the far right corner. Incredible. and Again, it was a at the time it was a lead that the Whitecaps I would say deserved, or maybe not deserved, because seven minutes is hardly a large sample size for how the team was going to play. But it, it was it was it was a good start for Vancouver and one that I think a lot of people were caught off guard by.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I certainly didn't expect Ali Adnan to be flying up forward that far upfield and taking a shot at goal seven minutes into his first game four months. Uh, after his last game you know what I mean and like you said we're we've uh we've seen this we've seen Ali do this before it's not the first time we've seen him cut inside and hit with his right and the fact that he was so clinical this time was insane I mean we've seen him curl it a little bit too much uh he probably won't get the right direction on it at times when he cuts in on that right foot but he got it spot on last night It it was a brilliant finish and uh breaking down the goal here I think you got to give credit to to Imbom. I mean a lot of people will say he didn't have the best of games and yeah I, I agree with that but you, this is what you want to see from Imbom: try and find those passes those gaps and again Adnan made a brilliant run down that far side and Imbom was able to find him with the defense splitting pass I think that's something that I, I kind of want to talk about a lot in this episode we can we can move on forward with the uh with the uh own goal, mm-hmm. the, I think it was probably the worst goal of the bunch, and it came in our favor, fortunately. But yeah, um, it, that's that's something that I want to talk about. Like the midfield play is something we can definitely get into later, but yeah, let's push forward with the other goal.
0: Yeah, so yeah, we've got lots to unravel in this show. But the next goal that came up was uh Judson's own goal or Yordi Reina's sort of blessing in disguise, I guess, because I mean. It was a San Jose corner kick and then you blink and you see Dahomey pinching for the ball. Next thing you know, the TSN cameras panning and there's no one for 65 yards in front of Jordi Reyna. So he had a clear side of goal from inside his own half and he ran it all the way up. He had a, it was Home in support of him as well. And there was a couple of center backs that were catching up to him, but it almost looked like he'd fluffed his lines a little bit. He didn't have you know, the most control of the ball and, the kind of end product I don't know if it was like a through ball I guess for Dahomey or if that wasn't that was a shot going in the fart I don't know if we even know what it was but it took a couple of deflections including two big ones off Judson and that at the end of the day I mean they all look the same on the score sheet and it ended up not ended up but you know at the time two zero white caps 22 minutes in you know fans are ecstatic the players you know they've got this huge boost of confidence and we're thinking you know this tournament is ours for the taking and I'm sure sure that for half a second I can almost guarantee every Whitecaps fan had a thought of like this this could be like you know the start of something big and it was the start of something big it was just a big collapse but it was big (laughs) but again it was they were 2-0 up off of that own goal and I mean there's only so much you can say a couple of unlucky balances for Judson but
1: you got to give tons of credit again to Dahomey. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, that's where the high press kind of did its best job for the Whitecaps in that play um, specifically, although they did have a very uh, – they, re- they held like a really low line throughout the first half and I guess throughout the game as well. But um, on that goal specifically, the high press was really good and Dahomey pushed up, got some pressure on Judson who actually lost the ball off that corner kick. And um, Dahomey and dispossesses him, plays a great ball in terrain. I remember looking at the goal on, on or watching the play on TSN and a shout out to our guy, uh, Paul Dolan, Dolly the Goalie. <laughs> yeah. For calling the game. If you haven't watched that episode, go check it out. Episode 10. Um, thanks to our guy for uh, calling the game. And, and yeah, I remember just watching Dahomey pass that ball and I was waiting for a defender to pop up on the other side of the screen. And it was just Reyna in alone, and I was like, okay, this has to be a goal, and fortunately it was a goal. I mean, it wasn't the one we were expecting. We were probably expecting a decent Jordi Reyna finish, but um turned out to
0: be a good goal. Take what you can get. So yeah, that was, sure. and I mean, this came off a San Jose corner, which was not a rare sight. They ended up breaking the MLS record with 22 corners throughout this game, and just that number alone, 22 times, you know, they're lining up for a set piece. And we saw that the Whitecaps, you know, set pieces ended up being, you know, the the fall of the Whitecaps to an extent. But yeah, it was a, it was rough go just watching corner after corner be swung in towards Max Cropot, who, who I, he, he was a very good, you know, he had a very solid game. He did what he had to. He did let in four goals, but again, he, he had a lot to deal with.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, um, I think just one point that I remember uh, from I – I guess just after that own goal, I mean, this kind of follows up with the with the 2-1 goal, the Andy Rios goal. But I remember there was, like, one take. I think it was the water break. I think the water break happened just after the 2-0 goal or somewhere around that. Yeah. And, um, and I remember that TSN got a really good shot of uh, – of the Earthquakes players just kind of lined up all together and they were all huddled up and Matias Almeida was just putting them all together and I mean I- I'm gonna be honest with you I did feel like okay the Whitecaps can probably like make some noise in this tournament but at that moment when I saw that shot and I see the San Jose er- Earthquakes players all huddled up I'm like I'm not gonna rule out a San Jose Earthquakes comeback here honestly mm-hmm. like that's what went through my head like I when it was happening, when I see all these San Jose goals go in, I'm like, I don't want to believe this is happening. But I, I literally got the gut feeling when I saw that shot, like, okay, this is, yeah, this is possible, right? I, and I then, and then we go into the the corner kicks, and all the corner kicks the Caps are conceding. I think it was probably 13 alone in the first half, mm-hmm. and one of those opportunities right before the halftime whistle. It's the worst time you want to concede. And again, like you said, Benzono marking. I mean, I I know that you're not a big fan of it. We we talked about it prior to the podcast, prior to recording this episode. I'm not a fan of it either, too much. And we saw how it outdid the Whitecaps there. It was just a simple ball in, off a short corner, ping pong, ball in from Christian Espinoza, and he just drilled it in with pace. And that's what he was doing all night long with Magnus Eriksson on the corners, and he drilled that in, right into Andy Rios's pass, and all he had to do was just. Uh, put it towards goal, and fortunately, he got the touch that ultimately changed the game. I feel yeah. like that moment was pretty, pretty game-changing for sure. Yeah,
0: allowing a goal, you know, a minute before halftime. This was in the third minute of stoppage time in the first half, so really, you know, as late as it can get in the first half, at least. Uh, yeah, it was. We yeah, Sebastian noted that I'm I'm not a fan of zonal marking on a corner. I think it's man on man, and you can track where the ball goes from there. However, at the same time, you, even if it is zonal marking, I, I watched Imbaum Huang. He was, he was talking to, I think it might have been Jake Nowinski on the front post, and he literally ran from the front post completely past Andy Rios, who went on to score that goal to make it 2-1, didn't even look at him. He just stood you know about eight feet away from him. There were two other San Jose players closer to Rios than the, other, than the next nearest white cap, which was probably Imbaum or maybe, I think it might have been Veselinovic, but at the same time, you, you can't, you just let someone be that open in a box in a uh, close game right before halftime, because that's where it's going to you know, come back and bite you. If you're sloppy, if you're slacking, all it takes is a brief moment. And if you've got 22 corners in a the game, there's going to be a couple of brief moments here or there where the defense is going to be slacking and they are going to be sleeping and ball watching rather than watching the men they're supposed to be on. And that's inevitably what we saw from Imbalm, uh, if you can even call it, marking Andy Rios uh, at the end of that first half.
1: Yeah, no, and as I said before, I mean, that whole goal was, was really a turning point in the game. And you look at the poor marking on that goal, you'd think there'd be more of a, I guess, it really was a lapse in con- concentration specifically at that point of the game right before halftime it's like the worst time you want to concede everyone knows that um and it's just a really fortunate goal for san jose but in a way they did deserve it they had a lot of opportunities in the first half and again they had a lot of set piece opportunities and um if i can just talk a little bit about the set pieces here i mean a lot of times um the the Quakes were using their high press as well and aggressiveness going forward. And once the Whitecaps won the ball around the corner flag in those areas where they dispossessed the Earthquakes out wide and close to the corner flag, the Earthquakes did a really good job of covering forward passing options. Like, they didn't let the Whitecaps build out of the back or they just, like, get, like, two guys around them. Um, It was a really aggressive style of pressing and just make sure they could just kick it out for a throw or even a corner. And that, that's basically what forced the Whitecaps into conceding a lot of corners. They just didn't have the time and space to mentally pick out a pass and look up and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and also, I mean, they did test Kripo uh, as well. He did yeah. a really good job. You can, you nine,
0: like... nine shots. He made nine saves, I think it was, after full time.
1: Okay, yeah. Yeah.
0: 25 shots altogether, though, which is, even if they're not on target, you know, he still has to work for a couple of those. Yeah,
1: 11, 11 shots on goal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, and, um, and of course, some of those saves force corners as well. I mean, they're taking yeah. shots outside the box, inside the box, wherever, and those shots are forcing corners as well. Um, and, and, again, as I said before, Spinoza and Erickson just keep whipping in insanely good quality balls into the box. They're at pace. All they need is a flick and they're in, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I guess just moving on to the Dahomey goal, again, it's a little bit of high press in there as well, and this time on the side of the whitecaps, um, because Dahomey, um, Milinkovic, and Bomb just formed like a little bit of a, tr- like a, a triangle, mm-hmm. and they just pressed Vega forward and they were able to to force Vega to make the decision of, oh, I'm like pressed up, I can't find any option. And Vega just didn't look up at that point and just passed it straight to Milankovic, and it's an easy finish for Dahomey after that. But it's it's again a little a lot of the high pl- the high press was a big factor in this one, and ultimately proved to be um, a lot. I wouldn't say better for the earthquakes, but it was it was a lot more game changing for the earthquakes in the sense that they got more possession and more not clear cut goal scoring opportunities, but more. Um, ball possession ball possession and yeah in the final third which is always key Mm -hmm. um but yeah that's that's what I think on the third goal and yeah this is where the fun begins really because now we get to talk about the the comeback
0: (laughs) so the comeback didn't start when Wondolowski scored in the 72nd minute it started in the 66th minute when San Jose brought on four substitutes multiple attackers and I think there's the three attacking options and like a more deeper midfielder sort of player um, but it was really that was the moment that changed the game they've got a full injection of fresh legs of pace of energy and it's Chris Wondolowski who and it was a storyline that was being written everywhere even before the game had started that he'd scored 13 goals against the Whitecaps in his career that's a record for a single player scoring against a single team in the MLS. So, of course, it would be Vancouver and it would be Wondolowski who would come on and about six minutes later score the goal to make it 3-2. So they still have the leads, but Wondolowski, uh, there was a bouncing ball in and around the box and uh, poor uh so, again, this is what's going to get on my, okay, this is how you get into my good books, okay? I'm a center back at heart. I used to play there growing up, and I still love to see players really thrive and dominate aerial battles and stuff like that. Yasser Kamiri was the tallest player from either side to make an appearance on that field. Apart from Theo Bear, they're the same height, six foot four. So he's the tallest guy in the field. He's a pretty big guy, like stocky and stuff. He looks pretty strong, I'd say. He's got, you know, a huge bread loaf for a haircut coming off the top of his head. And I don't know. I just think there was a ball bouncing around. And as a center back, he, he, both, of it, both of his hands were pinching his shorts and pulling them up higher rather, I, like, rather than jostling for position and heading the ball clear, saving a goal. I, I don't know, he just got caught ball watching, and he literally just let the deadliest striker in MLS history walk into the six-yard box and just just thump it in from close close range. I mean, Kropot didn't stand a chance. I think it was Ali Adnan on the line that he tried to clear it off with his head, and I think I, I, he he couldn't quite get to that. But it was either I'm Adnan. I'm sure. Or was, I'll double check. I think it was Adnan, but you check while I keep you know. You know, yeah, get my anger out. Yeah, um, go on the rant <laughs> Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, I don't know, I just think, you know, Kamiri, he, it's, it's well known that I haven't, you know, taken that well to him being in the sides. I can't wait for Eric Goodjoy to be back. I can't wait for Andy Rose to be back. I think Veselinovich had a pretty solid game for an MLS debut for like a 20-year-old. Oh, yeah, think, for sure. I think he had a, we'll get into the, his him later on, but Kamiri's never done it for me. And frankly, that goal really just kind of him ball watching and playing with his shorts and just kind of looking at the yeah just ball watching is m- my number one pet peeve for a center back and it
1: was uh he, it was uh and Adnan at the back post yeah and because
0: Veselinovich, he had to try come over and cover because for uh Kamiri because there's Wondolowski and there's one other player I can't remember who but there's someone it another was Fierro,
1: player yeah and he's on and the, the line, balls. yeah.
0: So, yeah, so Veselinovic kind of had to gamble and choose, and he just kind of presumed that Kamiri would track the ball, track the run, and get on to Wondolowski, but he didn't, and it was 3-2, and that's all I have to say on the matter before <laughs> we uh, – we'll get more into Kamiri and everything else later, but it was it, 3-2, momentum starting to shift the way towards the earthquakes. Uh, and then MDS, who I, I've liked as a manager. You know, he's been, only been here a year, a season and a bit, I've 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 thought he's done a pretty okay job last year. I mean obviously results weren't the best, but he was handed a very tough task. Uh, and then again this year he's been dealt a pandemic, you know, two games into a season. So I think he, he's done decently decently well to handle everything he's had. But he 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 this is some Carl Robinson kind of stuff that we're gonna <laughs> that you can oh. you can't let the opposition in a close game that even he knew that they probably didn't deserve to be winning by two goals at that stage in the game. To, if you see the opposition bring on four players, mostly attackers, one of them is literally a, the deadliest striker or goal scorer in the league's history. And he's honestly, he's still you know, bagging them in the same way it was 10 years ago. This dude has just not lost his prime. And I, you can't just sit there and take it for X amount of time before making any sort of change. And then the two changes you do make are Theo Bear and Ryan Raposo, who are good, strong players, and there are two; they basically are only two attacking options. But why are we bringing on attacking options at that stage? I know it's a bit of a depleted squad, and it's, you know, it's hard at times to kind of look and say who's going to be our game-changer and who's going to lock us up in the back. But, you know, two, like, 20- and 21-year-olds, or however old those guys are, they're very young, very inexperienced. And, well, Theo has obviously got a bit of more experience than Raposo, but I, I, I just don't know if that was the move. And regardless, a couple of minutes later, in the 81st minute, uh, it was a tie game at 3-3, uh, Oswaldo alanis He got a header off of a corner, which, again, there was an MLS record. Against Yasser Kamiri, who is four inches taller than him, uh, into the top corner past Capot. Sebastian, <laughs> <laughs> I've been talking for a little while. You take over and talk us through uh, what happened water. in the corner. Get talk, some yeah. water. Get some water, talk us through that corner because I gotta, yeah. I, I gotta, I gotta open a window or something.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, just I just want to backtrack real quick on the uh, on the three uh, two goal. Um, Big shout-out to BTS, the BTS guy, um, Alex Gangarushic. She's a good friend. Um, And he pointed this out this morning. So, we're recording this on Thursday. um, And he pointed it out out this morning, um, the offside that was on Danny Hooson on the second goal. It was close. And I did see the replay, like, when I was watching the game, and I was like, deadass, that's offside. Mm -hmm. Pardon me for my language there, but (laughs) (laughs) – um well like I legitimately thought that's that's offside they're gonna take this back and it's not gonna be a goal and somehow they give that like it's absurd like you can clearly see mm-hmm. that Danny Houston is like a shoulder width offside and I don't know if it's me watching too much Premier League or something where they call everything where they like I guess they every single video review is reversed or anything but yeah it, it, it is offside like I, I do see that being offside, and I don't know why they didn't go to video review at least, and at least take a look at it. Go, but go ahead. It, it,
0: it is the Whitecaps, and VAR has <laughs> never, yes, ever, ever been day. a friend of the Whitecaps. So yes. that, that's that's why it didn't get reversed, Sebastian. Yeah, we, it just it was the. You know, it was that type of day.
1: It was just that type of day where, like, we we played like a decent counter-attacking game at times and then everything just didn't fall our way and we made clumsy mistakes clumsy errors again if we go if we go towards the uh the 3-3 goal the uh Oswaldo Alani's goal um it's it's again it's zonal marking as we said before and it's a simple ball in it's a simple but it's a decent ball in from Erickson but you really do think there'd be someone someone in between I think I think it's Kamiri and Veselinovich. Veselinovich that Alanis gets in between. And you think at least one of those two guys probably gets ahead and makes a better challenge of the ball. And again, as Ben mentioned, Kamiri's is the tallest guy on the field at this point besides Theo Bear.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, I mean, you really do back him to probably win that because it, is, it he is taller than him. Um, he just really doesn't know that Alanis is there in a way I I mean Adnan's a little bit part of the play as well because he I think he was originally the one marking was he no no he wasn't no pardon me but it was it's I don't know it's clumsy defending at the back it's a set piece um and I wasn't too surprised I mean you keep seeing these set pieces come and at some point you know one of them's going to go in the box and it's going to be a good delivery and it's going to go into the back of the net um I'll go back to the what I said in 2-0, where I, I, I completely thought, like, I didn't rule out a Quake's comeback, and I knew if they're going to get back in this game, it's going to be through set pieces for sure. And in the end, that that paid off for them as well with some great deliveries into the box. Um, it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, um, I, I was pretty shocked when the goal, when 3-3 goal went in, but it, it, at the same time, it wasn't too surprising because I was like, I... I I don't blame them. They've created a lot of set-piece opportunities, and the Whitecaps just haven't been able to deal with it.
0: Yeah, I really agree. It was just more of a not-if-but-when kind of situation where the Whitecaps were sitting back and inviting pressure and inviting pressure, mm-hmm. and they're just taking, you know, shot after a block. I mean, Veselinovic had, was it, seven blocks in the first half? Like, I mean, and
1: Yeah, and he ended the game with seven blocks as well, so all of his blocks came in the, sec- in the first half.
0: So I I don't know. I just kind of see, like, I think I'll, and again, this was San Jose's second game of the tournament. This was Vancouver's first game in four months. And I know that the San Jose game against Seattle, uh, who are, you know, the defending champions, they held to a nil-nil draw is, you know, pretty impressive from a San Jose side that, you know, doesn't really expect to be contending with last year's MLS champions all that much. So that was a huge result for them. And, they, you know, a lot of that game against Seattle, they were really impressive. They were knocking the ball around really nicely, and I was just thinking that like the White Caps are going to be slow at near the near the end. I was I was not presuming they didn't make the full five subs, but you know the starters near the end of the game, they're going to get tired. They're going mm-hmm. to show their rust, and then San Jose are going to show that that rust wore off quickly in that Seattle game, and that the momentum they gained from that Seattle game was going to come back hard. And as soon as the Whitecaps started slacking and getting tired and making sloppy mistakes, that's when San Jose found that momentum. They picked it up. They brought on that fresh pace of four new players. And really, that's how we got to 3-3. And even after 3-3, you know, MDS, he brought on Raposo and Bear, both attacking options. Neither really, again, it's difficult. They only played about 11 or 12 minutes. But, again, it's difficult for players in such a short time to really get into the game. Mm-hmm. So uh, we had the attacking players on, and uh, they had Shea Salinas on, you know, former, former Super Shea Salinas, who scored uh, – it was actually – he scored his first Whitecaps goal in a 1-0 win against San Jose back in 2011, one of the few wins uh, at Empire Field that we managed that year. But, yeah, Shea Salinas, he just picked up the ball – uh, around the halfway line of, on the left touch line just beelined it to the middle of the box and he was shrugging off I think it was Jake Nowinski the whole time for about 25 yards uh, cut inside Veselinovic who it was it was a weak challenge yeah at that point like you're, you're, the, you're the last man back it's that point in the game I'm sure he's tired and it was again his MLS debut a lot of kind of eyes are on him and uh, he it, that that tackle's got to be stronger. You've got to get more oomph behind it, to quote Sebastian. But uh, yeah, I, I just think Camiri came in as well. He was a little bit late to the party. He was trying to you know get that last ditch tackle in. He was half a step too slow, and Shea Salinas squeezed it between the legs of Crepault to to form a dog pile for San Jose and to form you know misery almost for Vancouver.
1: Oh yeah, misery for sure. I mean. In- you, you you would think that MDS probably brings on a Cornelius off the bench. I mean, mm-hmm. I wasn't too surprised to not see him start. I know a lot of people were like, why isn't he starting and stuff? But I, I wasn't too surprised to not see him start. He did have a poor game against SKC. Um, but that was, again, that was five months ago as well. We don't know where his fitness is at. But you would have thought that MDS brings him off the bench and makes at least a three-man um, back line with, three center backs there, um, and he didn't do that. Um, he, instead, he gives Patrick Metcalf the debut, and um, it's actually Metcalf chasing after Salinas in that play. Oh, it's Metcalf. Um, yeah, it's Metcalf, and he goes down. But he goes he step-for-step goes step step with Salinas, but he just never gets in inside of, of him, um, never gets in front of him, and Kamiri, it's poor defending from him. He gets turned really easily. Um, I don't blame Ranko. I think that's a really lucky bounce on him, mm-hmm. honestly. And Kripo, you can't – if you're Kripo, you can't do anything. At that point, you would expect your defense to step up and and help you out there. And, I mean, the shot is right at Kripo, but you can't blame the guy. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's at that point you shouldn't be – uh you shouldn't be reaching that part of the area with, like, a 60-yard run, right? Yeah. It's, it's absolute misery.
0: <laughs> it. It is misery and that was basically every goal broken down from, it it was exciting, there's no way you can't say it wasn't exciting, just the end result was really not,
1: it was was painful.
0: It was 97 minutes and 30 seconds of excitement and those last, you know, basically the last kick of the game, Shea Salinas dagger his old team and the, the, the good, so they're, the, you know, it's not the end of the world for the Whitecaps. The, they managed to score three goals. One of them wasn't from a Whitecap.
1: And without one, a clear number nine.
0: Without a clear number nine.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, so, you know, it wasn't awful. They managed to get a couple of goals at times. They looked decent. The midfield, I don't know, man. I know the mid, there's something going on with the midfield. And honestly, we haven't seen, even the, their win against LA Galaxy back in March they they weren't exceptional. Awusu had a pretty good game for his mm-hmm. first start. I mean, I mean he yeah. made a very impressive performance. In bomb, yeah, ah man, he's had, he's had a rough start to 2020, and
1: yeah, he, like all uh, of us.
0: <laughs> yeah, like all of us, fair oh enough. But especially more so on the field. I just think yeah, he, no. he doesn't get stuck in like a center mid needs to. He doesn't make so many darting runs forward like a center mid needs to he doesn't drive the team like a center mid needs to tybert showed bits of that here and there you know he was decent on defense he kind of tried to get he was he was the captain and it was his 200th appearance for the white cap. so you know hats off to him congratulations uh for captain rusty but uh again does he it was decent from tybert ish from Imbalm. but oh, i think Owusu kind of really came strong uh, yeah,
1: but, yeah, yeah. Ushu did for sure. I th- I thought Ushu was like the the standout player, of the midfield. Honestly, that I agree um, with that. It was at times difficult for him to like find the seams and play that pass through, but um, he did give us the glimpse that we needed to see, and we know what he's capable of now. Um, I think it was a big part in those last couple of minutes that he wasn't on the field. It was unfortunate mm-hmm. that he went down with that injury, um, but we know what he can do and i'm really excited for him i'm really excited to see what he can do in the future i think he's going to be a big part of that midfield being able to break things down in front of the back line and then moving the ball forward finding the seams and playing it out wide to milinkovic or to home um he's going to be a key player for this club for sure um but i go i go back to the point that i made earlier on in this episode and about the midfield um i kind of i just thought of this this morning and i was like the one player that I really – the one player in, like, the defensive mid type of position that I really look in an MLS, and I don't – I might be a little bit biased here because I'm Colombian, but um, Eduardo Tuesta and, I guess, Mark anthony Kay as well, both of them from um, LAFC, and they're both arguably, on their day, the best creative slash defensive mids because they're both creative and defensive at the same time in the MLS. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can both defend really well, and they both know how to move the ball well. That's, and not only is it because of their ability with the ball and be able to find the seams and be able to split defenses through and find those gaps um, in between the back line and the midfield of the opposition, but um, it's also because they have really good players around them as well, with like Diego Rossi and Carlos Vela. They have those guys around them that make the runs as well. Um, so, I feel like if the Whitecaps are going to be successful in midfield, Wangenbaum, um, Russell Tiber, Leo Wusu, Patrick Metcalf, whoever it has to be in the mm-hmm. midfield, they have to be able to find those seams, break through the opposition's midfield as LAFC do with those uh, defense splitting passes. And again, Dahomey and Malenkovich, they have to be able to n- notice that as well. Mm-hmm. Dahomey did tell me a couple of days ago he was like yeah i combined i've been combining really well with inbound well we really didn't see that in this game so we we need to see the more of a connection between the wingers the the attackers and the midfield because honestly if the whitecaps can get that nailed down i'm pretty sure they're going to be a decent team if they do that i mean the the example is there with lafc you look at the midfield play they have and if if the Whitecaps can get those their midfielders making those passes, and then the wingers taking chance after chance, they're going to be a good team.
0: It is, yeah. And there's definitely, you know, they've got all the pieces there, and just a second here before we run into the uh, player ratings from last night. Yeah, I do really agree that, you know, it's, it's so close that they they one connection or one, you know, positive kind of link connection play really away from having a solid midfield. I mean, Owusu is a player, he's defensive, but he's strong on the ball. He can take it forward. He's good at passing and distributing. Imbalm's got a little bit of flair to him. You know, he can, make, he can do a skill and, you know, open up 30 yards of space by beating a player and then play it out wide. Tybert's got a little bit of both. You know, he's, he's a strong passer. He's good on the ball and off the ball. He's a visionary. He can see the whole field kind of thing. And that's a difficult, you know, uh, attribute that not a lot of players have. And I don't know, it, it, it seems like it should work. They've got a little bit of everything, but um, I'm not sure where that, you know, that spark's going to come from, but it's, it's, it's close. I can feel it. And when it does, it's going to hit strong for Vancouver.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't know if we're, I don't know how we're looking in the market because obviously we're in the middle of a global pandemic again, but um, I don't know if the Whitecaps need more help in midfield. Mm-hmm. Do they need another man in there to maybe, Pump it up, it up a bit. Yeah. An Edward Twist, uh, Mark Anthony Kay type like player that can complement uh, either Tiber, Usu, or Imbom a little bit more. We don't know. Again, this is four months after the LA Galaxy game. We don't know if this may just be a fitness problem for Imbom or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, it's safe to say he hasn't had it difficult ever since he moved to Vancouver. Everyone thought that the Whitecaps would have at least a decent season last year, but it was anything but that. Um and again um imbaum has to adjust to a new city, a new language a new culture and that's difficult for someone c- coming from um from South Korea and from that part of the world to adjust to a to a new city as well and a new league a new style of play um so it's safe to say he's had it difficult and then he, this year with the coronavirus outbreak and um a a long four-month break it's it's difficult for him so it's something we'll keep an eye on for sure um and here's hoping the Whitecaps can find a way to really push that midfield forward to be able to create more goal scoring opportunities and really keep possession of the ball as well
0: Mm -hmm. we'll see how Imbalm does in my match report card I guess before uh just jumping straight in Uh, We'll start with uh, Max Capot, go from the back, work our way out. And I think Max Capot, I I gave him a seven. It was a solid performance. He bailed the team out a number of times. He had good saves. He was always alert. Uh, But he did still allow four goals, even though not all of them were his faults. I still think I can't give a goalkeeper any higher after conceding four.
1: Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Seven. Seven's seven's a good rating. I agree with you.
0: Yeah. Good choice, uh, bro. Okay. All right. So then we got Jake Nowinski at right back, who did make the start over Jenny Obakel. So even though there was injury involved, I was right and Sebastian was wrong. Nowinski we did get it, the start. Bro. We get Just it, Just making sure. I'll, I'll say as many times I'll shout it from the mountain tops. I'll there, beat right?
1: you this weekend with Seattle with the line of prediction.
0: All right. We heard it here right first. Now. Yeah. Um. So we got yeah. So Nowinski. I I went for a six for Nowinski. He was a bit more attacking than I think Janiel Mc- McHale would have been. He had, at times, a good link-up play with Owusu. He, uh, he had a lot of good stretching runs down that right side. He was just, you know, it was just a solid game all around. It was decent defending. Every now and then, you know, he maybe lost his man or he got beat to a challenge or something, but I'd say overall, I think a six just kind of bang average for Nowinski last night.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with the six. I mean, there was nothing um, that stood out, nothing that he did necessarily wrong i don't i don't don't think he was part of any of the mistakes on the goals maybe the last one because he was caught a little bit too far forward but yeah um i think six is a fair score for him
0: yasser kamiri sebastian i'll give sebastian a guess as well i'm what would you give kamiri based off of last night what would you if you were in my shoes what would you be giving him what grade
1: if I was in your shoes, and I know you're not the biggest fan of Kamiri, if I was in your shoes, um, I'd say you're giving him a two. A two, I, all right, yeah, right. But i, I'm, I if I <laughs> if I was in my shoes, which I am,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, I would give him a four at least.
0: I I I I I was uh, I was softer on Kamiri than I think some people might have expected. I went four point five.
1: I, oh okay so you he, went even
0: higher than i did <laughs> well you said four four at least so you know it's fine <laughs> um he was beaten multiple times in the air uh and again for someone of his size he he shouldn't be i think something that people kind of forget about kamir he's very young i mean everyone's talking about ranko mm-hmm. being this like 21 year old leader he captained his side back in serb was it it's serbia right serbia yeah, he captained his Serbian side at like 17. Like his like the his the club and everything, and everyone's talking about him. And then like, oh, how is he going to fit in with Andy Rose? You know, he'll just do to Eric Doyes get back. Like, and it's it's difficult for you know young players to come in and sort of make a name for themselves. So this tournament is a big opportunity for him. And you know, I I, I I'm at the end of the day, I would like to see the White Cap succeed and all of the players succeed. You know, I don't have an out for Kamiri. I, I would love for him to really become, you know, a solid, uh, strong player at the back. Because, again, he plays a position that I really enjoy watching, that center back. So, he, uh, but yeah, it, it's just not there yet. You know, he's young. He's still making mistakes, which is fair enough. He, uh, he did lose a couple of headers. Uh, and, again, that led to uh, goal number three with Wondolowski uh, on uh, – not on Wondolowski with a uh, – um, Oh, what's oh, Alanis, yeah. And then he was caught uh, ball-watching with the uh, Wondolowski goal where, you know, Ranko thought he tracked the run, but he didn't because he was playing with his shorts for whatever reason. (laughs) He's close. No, he he, 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 he has a lot of potential. And I think a couple of years, and I think a team like Vancouver, if he would maybe go out on loan to, like, where he'd get, you know, be a guaranteed starter or somewhere like that, if he could get some experience under his belt and maybe grow a bit more as a leader and an impact player in the locker room as well and sort of grow his confidence. I think that'd do wonders for him. But for right now I'm going 4.5.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I agree with 4.5. I mean, we've talked a lot about Jasser in this, in this episode. And Mm -hmm. I mean, he did make a lot of mistakes. He was kind of out of focus there, but this, Although this is his second season under contract with the Whitecaps, this really is his first season yeah. in terms of playing time. He only played one game last season, and that was the 4-3 win against LA Galaxy towards mm-hmm. um, the end of October, or the beginning of October, actually. Um, and, uh, and this really is his first season. We can't judge him too much. Again, he's a young player. Uh, he's mm-hmm. going to make mistakes. We have to accept that. Um, he didn't make one... Pretty big mistake earlier on in, in the outbreak, uh, playing soccer with uh, pickup soccer. In fact, with Yordi Reyna, yeah, downtown Vancouver. So we know he's going to make mistakes. He's a young player that has to learn. And mm-hmm. although although he did make plenty of mistakes today, there were times where he would be able to clear the ball off a dangerous set piece. Um, I'm not exactly sure how many clearances he got. I'll get that. I'll get into that in just a sec. But I mean he still he still did i mean decent when clearing out those balls, so it it wasn't there the are short flashes for, there were short flashes, yeah, for mm-hmm. sure, um it says here on who he got one aerial one I think I don't know if that's wrong i thought that I thought that'd be more um, I, hope, I hope that's wrong <laughs> I hope that's wrong, um but I don't know who scored is a pretty trusty website, so I'm not sure and uh. And yeah, he did. Kamiri did do pretty bad on the goals, as Ben said. There, he he did have lapses of concentration on the second and third San Jose goals. It was unfortunate he didn't get towards Wondolowski in that sense. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, it's it's kind of obvious. Like, I feel like if if that's a very experienced, veteran MLS defender, like if you say someone for Chad Marshall or. Uh, or a, a Kendall Waston, or a Kendall Austin. A, a Kendall Waston. Heck, yeah. Um y- You'd probably know Wondolowski is like the biggest and most dangerous target in the box for San Jose when it comes to goals, Um and he he will just latch onto everything. We saw it last night with the finish. I didn't even think that was going in. I thought that was Firo's goal. Um, Mm -hmm. and then they give it to Wondolowski and it just flicks like that. He'll he'll just get on the end of something and he'll put it in no matter what. So I feel like if that's a a Kendall Lawson, a Michael Parkhurst, a Chad Marshall, and they know Wondolowski's that big of a throw in the box, I don't think that happens. Um, But I don't blame MDS for selecting Kamiri. I think he's someone that is going to learn from these mistakes and I know MDS um, is, is someone that works very well with young players. So they'll definitely be correcting that in training. Um, we've, we've had a bit of a long talk here on Kamiri, but yeah, I mean, he was really the, I mean, if you were to pick on someone from the defense, it'd probably be Kamiri. We don't want to yeah. really pick on him, but you know what I mean from that. Mm-hmm.
0: So we'll move on over to his uh, center back defensive partner making his MLS debut, Ranko Veselinovich. I mean, and, this guy's
1: a different story. I mean, can, 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 we,
0: can we just point out that it is Ranko Veselinovich I can't even fathom the amount of times TSN said his name wrong on the commentary last night. <laughs> uh, you know, Paul Dolan, former guest, and uh, Peter Shard, You know, we, we we love listening to you guys, but that that you know, I, I heard about four or five different pronunciations of his name, and so Ranko Vesilinovich is how we're going to be saying it at least here at ninety plus.
1: But this guy was a different story. He's a different
0: story. You know, it was his debut. He had a very, you know, I think he had a very impressive debut. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, You could could see that he's a leader and that the guys look to him. And he's only been there a couple of months. It was his, you know, his first time going out on the field as a white cap. He made a good few ones forward as well, which is you know always gets you know the blood boiling a little bit, makes you a little bit you know nervous and you know hot handed
1: uh Especially for a former centre back. Yeah,
0: you know I'm guilty of being caught up, you know losing possession, thinking I'm a you know I want to be centre forward as well. You know I think for a debut overall it was a it was a good showing from Veselinovic. It was a poor challenge on the Shea Salinas goal, but that's only one challenge out. It was you know a big challenge, but still. So I'm going uh 6.5 but maybe round that down to a 6 somewhere in that ballpark I
1: think 6.5 he could day. even go as far as a 7 honestly okay okay yeah. That's fair. I mean I I I thought he was really good mm-hmm. I I mean everyone everyone said in the Whitecaps camp including uh MDS and a couple of players I forgot who but a lot of them said prior to this game and in the in the um last four months I guess they they all said that Ranko is a guy who doesn't look like he's a 20 year old you know what I mean? he doesn't play mm-hmm. like he's a 20 year old he plays like a veteran and I think we saw that last night I mean every time he would go out go out of his way and just get himself out of, out of a dangerous situation being pressured by even two San Jose Earthquakes players he would get out of it somehow and I was like wow like this guy's this mm-hmm. guy's something like He has the confidence to get out of the situation, just dribble by them um, and create some space for his team. Um, The amount of strength he has as well, to be able to hold up that ball in such circumstances as well is great. I mean, obviously we don't want him playing around too much in that sense, but we know what he can do. He's capable of building out of the back and dribbling forward, making some good passes. Um, He had a game high seven blocks as well. All of those were in the first half. So he came up big in the first half for sure. Uh, six clearances, four dribbles, um four dribbles out of the back for a center back. That's pretty yeah. insane. Yeah. <laughs> um a team high 39 passes out of the back. That's what you want to see from a ball playing center back. Mm-hmm. And 10 of those passes were into the final third. So Really? Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean he, he was you. pretty good. I I, yeah. I feel like he deserves the 7. Okay. Um I, I it's always not good to concede goals as a center back but mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of promise promise for Veselinovic, and I'm really excited to see how he progresses
0: all right so a six and a half to seven maybe even higher from Sebastian but you know I'm you know I'm pretty happy with that too. I, I can go with seven actually kind of looking back and thinking a bit more on it I'm I'm pretty okay with calling that a seven uh yeah mm-hmm. and, and I, it was
1: his debut as well I mean,
0: ex- exactly as you know that's just the first, and I'm sure a lot more we're going to be seeing of him in a Hoops jersey. Uh, and then the last defenseman will go Ali Adnan. I gave him a 8. I think best, he was the best overall Whitecaps player at both ends of the field. He scored a great goal. He got forward a lot, and we've, we've talked about this already a little bit. He gets forward a lot on the ball and off the ball. You know, He makes runs. Even if the ball doesn't end up going to him, he makes runs with intent, and he attacks players with intent. And he makes players think what they're you know, going to have to do in such a short amount of time that you'd see that from like a center mid or an outside midfielder. But for a left back, jumping forward, getting involved in the attack as much as we do see from Ali Adnan. And again, that's how he got his goal. Uh, I'm giving him an eight. He, it was a, at, at times, he lost his man on defense, but I don't really think he... Uh, and plus the goal, I'd say kind of makes up for it. So I'm giving an eight for Ali Adnan.
1: Okay. 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 Eight. Uh, eight. Uh, Too high. Too high. I don't know. I. I. I think. I think he deserves the eight. Um, I mm-hmm. might go down to a seven, seven point five. But I feel like okay. he, like in a sense, he did deserve the eight. I mean, mm-hmm. credit to him again. It was a beautiful finish, and we've seen him do do that time and time again. And sometimes it doesn't come off, but today he executed it perfectly, and also. I mean, he did connect fairly well with his passes. I mean, there were a couple of times where he booted the ball upfield, just straight into no man's land sometimes. But um, also, he defended pretty well on that side against Christian Espinoza. Um, there were a couple of times where he did get beat, but he compared to the other times where he's come up against him and the two games prior that the White Caps had against San Jose, he wasn't very good at defending against Espinoza. But today, he was pretty decent or yesterday part of me he was pretty decent and um yeah I think he I think he he went forward he tried to create as much as he could he tried combining as well with the wingers um I I do expect a little bit more of him trying to get to the byline and that sort of stuff but that just didn't play out today um and again it's his first game back but again it was a wonderful finish great goal I think it was the best goal of the bunch, really, from the Whitecaps mm-hmm. in terms of play and build up play. Um, so yeah, I think I think we can we can give him the eight for sure. Yeah. Okay, all right.
0: And then we've already kind of talked about the midfields. I'll run through them just quickly. Russell Tybert. I gave him a six, like we said, just a solid game. You know, he wasn't you know invisible. We got involved a bit. He got a bit stuck in, but it wasn't you know game changing or anything. So I just went six for Tybert, and then I went. 5.5 for imbalm, a little bit less and it's the same sort of thing that we just didn't really see what we kind of ex- not so much what we expect from him but he sh- we expect that he should be delivering a bit more and it's not that we're expecting him to you know drive the ball 60 yards like Reina did and Chase Salinas did and you know bury them every time but I just think a little bit more creativity and energy from him would go a long way in that midfield so I went 5.5 for him and then Owusu, I gave him a seven for all the reasons that you've kind of explained already, that he was strong on defense. He you know, was strong playing the ball out. He made a lot of good kind of passes going out wide toward, you know, Zahomey, Milinkovic, and even the wingbacks, Nowinski and uh, Ali Adnan. And, yeah, I just think kind of he pops up all over the place. So, I gave seven for Owusu, 5.5 for Mbom, and six for Tiber. Change anything, or are you keeping those?
1: Um. So... Six for Tybert, five point five for frambaum and, and then seven, seven for Usu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think those are pretty fair. Um, Let's go. <laughs> I agree with those. <laughs> I agree with those. Um, uh, I guess I guess if I can just talk a little bit about each one of them. Um yeah. I think Tybert was the usual Tybert. There wasn't really anything that stuck out. I think he was probably um, one of the most active defensively of the three of them. Um, of course, we had a great game, but I think Tyber was pretty good defensively. Um, he wasn't caught up the pitch or anything. He was doing well defensively, making some decent passes. So I think a six is fine for him. Um, I, I do think that imbaum was slightly off the pace today. A lot of people did say that, and I kind of do have to agree with it as well. Um, this goes back to the point I said earlier about the tough time he's had to adjust to Vancouver. And, um, and also, he he hasn't really found that rhythm where he's consistently performing week in and week out. Um, but he but he, there were times in the first half. I I think I think he only made like three um, key passes in my point of view that kind of stood out. Um, and those three passes are just not enough from a player of Huang's ability, honestly. And he did get the assist on the Adnan goal, but that was about it. I mean. The, uh, apart from those other two times where he stood out and he made, like, a defense-splitting pass. Um, he didn't do much, and this goes back to my point of the the LAFC midfield that the Whitecaps can probably build off from, and we need more of that from playing, with more of the defense-splitting passes. Um, so 5.5 is is spot-on, I think, uh, from you, Ben. Uh, as for Wusu, um, I think he had a good debut. Um, again, as I said good before... Good first start. Good first start. First start. Sorry, pardon me. Um but as I said before, it was it was kind of unfortunate he went down with that injury late on. Um mm-hmm. he wasn't on the pitch when uh Shea Selena scored the winning goal. So that may have taken a little bit of the toll on the white caps, the fact that he wasn't on the on the pitch. Uh that was unfortunate. Um we're hoping he's okay. Hopefully it's not like a big injury or anything. Hopefully he's just cramp or something. It um, finished to off with three dribbles, three clearances, three successful tackles and 18 passes uh, around the midfield and the final third. So I think I think that's pretty decent for him. Obviously, we wish those numbers were a bit higher if the Whitecaps weren't pressed too much by the San Jose earthquakes. But uh, we can only hope for improvement from here on in and that's the midfield mm-hmm. uh, against San Jose.
0: Yeah, and then the front three, uh, obviously it was Milinkovic, Dahomey, and Reyna starting in that false nine, which we all sort of expected. But uh, we'll start with the wingers first. So I gave Milinkovic a seven, and then Dahomey a 7.5. Uh, Dahomey, obviously, his first MLS goal, it was to a somewhat empty net from, you know, uh, a, a pass coming in from across the box from uh, Milinkovic. But, yeah, really just kind of a uh, – yeah, he had a solid he had a you know a solid game. He made some pretty he, – he made a lot of good runs forward for sure. There's no doubt about that. He looked threatening on the ball, which is the first time I can say that about Dahomey this year. He uh, looked a little bit more alive. He was kind of like involved in the game more. So that's as that was an improvement from the last couple of games, obviously back in, you know, a ways away from a few months ago. But I think that's, that was the best game I've seen from Zahome so far. So I gave him a 7.5. And then Milinkovic, I gave for a seven. A little bit quieter than Dahomey, but still, a. Uh, he did all the little things right. He, he made the good passes. He tracked back on defense, and then he got forward again on offense. He made lots of runs. He was very vocal. So, I think for he, he, he didn't have a huge impact on the game itself, but a lot of the little things that someone has to do, Milinkovic was that guy for Vancouver last night.
1: Yeah, just to... Um... Continue on with Milinkovic, uh, just following up with what Ben said. Um, I thought he did all the little things right, as you said, and uh, I think one thing that really stood out to me, even though it was a really simple play, was the assist he got to Dahomey. I mean, uh, we can go back and check off the years and look back at players that have been here at the Whitecaps, and I think probably... Uh, Joaquin Ardaiz uh, an Eric Hurtado, uh, or I don't know who else just I'm just thinking of players that come to my mind that just missed a lot of chances like that and don't get the pass right like Darren mm-hmm. Maddox probably in the past yeah Um, a lot of them probably wouldn't have made the pass spot on like Malinkovic did um, to Dahomey so you have to give Malinkovic a lot of credit for making that pass and taking full full advantage of the opportunity yeah. mm-hmm. and setting up Dahomey on a platter so um big credit to, to Malinkovic there. I mean, he did have a, a 1v1 situation where he tried curling the ball into the top corner. That was, I think, the one play that stood out to me in terms of 1v1. Uh, but I do want to see a little bit more 1v1 stuff from him. We know he's capable of doing it. We saw we saw it against Graham Zuzi, a U.S. international, in the SKC game, and he took him all the way to the byline and set up Diknerwitski for a great goal. So um, I do want to see more from Malinkovic. As for Dahomey, I thought this was his best game in a Whitecaps jersey, not only because he scored, but um, he played a big part in the second goal, the, the Judson own goal. Um, mm-hmm. He tracked back and uh, pressed high when Judson was on the ball, made a great tackle, and played a very good pass to Reina. A lot of players don't get that right as well. Um, perfect weight on the pass and sent Reina through. Uh, 1v1 with uh, Daniel Vega there. And um, also, he... He seemed pretty dangerous, as you said, Ben, too. He he got on the ball quite often. Um, he made a couple of good runs. I, like Malenkovich, I do want to see a little bit more 1v1 stuff from him um, because he is capable of it. Um, but he, wa- he was a threat going forward, and he pretty much was a very good outlet for the Whitecaps when they did win back possession and have those slight bits of um, possession that mm-hmm. um, we saw during the game.
0: Yeah. Um so you're agreeing seven for Milinkovic, seven point five for Dahomey? I yeah, yeah I,
1: can, I can probably go with an eight for Dahomey as well. Okay, that's fair.
0: That's fair. Right. Yeah, I'd I'd say uh Dahomey and Adnan were probably the two best outfield players for the White Caps. So mm-hmm. I yeah, I, yeah, I, I think um uh, just I, I don't think I can quite give um Dahomey the same as Adnan. I think and he just perform a little bit higher than the Colombians so i yeah i'm i'm, I'm sticking with a 7.5 but you know there's a shout for an 8 there i can see yeah um and then finally the false nine the center forward the there were, obviously there was the bit of discussion where would it be Theo Bear but then a couple of days ago de santos once they announced the roster he came out and quickly said it's it's going to be most likely Yuri Reyna. that's that false nine Sort of role, and that's where we found him. And yeah, and uh, was it? It, it was not incredible from Reina. He got he he basically scored. If we're you know, I'll give that Judson own goal to Reina for the sake of arguing here. But he 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 did what he was asked to. You know, he came back. He made in he dropped back into defense. He pick up the ball and take it forward a bit. He uh, he, he didn't manage you know that many great chances he almost, he almost messed up the goal that he scored, uh, you know, it, it was, you know, bubbling about and everything, and it obviously it's difficult, you're sprinting at high speeds to get away from defenders, but right behind you, but, uh, but yeah, he he did what he had to, and a little bit more, you know, he had a little bit of flair that we kind of used to seeing, he'd make those passes sort of back in towards the center mid, that could then spring the outside players, so I'm going a seven for Reyna, just kind of he he was there. He he impacted the game, but he wasn't, you know, a game changer for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I can agree with the seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I I said I said this before in the podcast. I'm going to talk a lot a lot about the midfield in this episode, and it goes back to my point on the midfield that I think the White Cavs should probably build on, or any team in MLS should build on. Um, I think Rain is the type of player that. If you give him the ball where he needs it, if that's in behind or to his feet, uh, he can dribble at players. He can go 1v1, and we've seen what he's capable of before. I think um, one game that stood out to me last year where he was playing a little bit of a false nine roll was um, the game uh, against Toronto FC at BC Place where he got – he he came off the bench, but he played up top. Um, It wasn't necessarily a false nine roll, but he played up top in the middle And uh, he was just dribbling left, right, and center against Drew Moore um, and Eric Zavoleta in that game. So I think if you can give him the ball where he needs it and he can go 1v1, um, have that possession, uh, have those outlets around him, he can be a very dangerous player for this Whitecaps team. That only happens, though, if the Whitecaps can get their midfield right. Um, But I I did think in terms of the performance uh, from yesterday's game, Reyna was very good in the false nine rule. Um, he did what he was asked to do um no mistakes he played a big part in the second goal and and he used his pace when he needed to i, I think it was a fairly good solid out, outing from Reina and i th- i think there's a lot to come from him in that position i think i thoroughly think that that's probably his best position as a white cap i think
0: yeah i like him in the middle a bit more too and we talked mm-hmm. about this in i think it might have been like the first or second episode right up at the start where he kind of said you know, where do we think he's going to end up playing? Maybe out wide, uh, like, right wing or maybe, like, a center attacking mid, center forward kind of role. But, yeah, I think I think he has found his spot, and I hope MDS kind of takes notice. And I think for the – at least, you know, praying that there's no injuries to him or to anyone uh, for the Whitecaps, I'd like to see him at that sort of starting nine. Uh, uh, that yeah. False nine, I mean, uh, that role for the, at least the rest of this tournament, and we can see if that, you know, can transcend into something a little bit more come uh, regular season, whatever that yeah. season might look like. So
1: I don't know if he was like, just a bit too rusty yesterday because he hasn't mm-hmm. played in four months, mm-hmm. um, but it was a good outing for him nonetheless.
0: Yeah, no, it was solid. And then a couple of other names we should mention, Ryan Raposo and Theo Bear. they, play, they came on in and around the 80th minute. Uh, they, and then uh, Patrick Metcalf making his debut for the team. So congratulations to that youngster. But uh, yeah, I don't think the players, they had enough time to really make an impact on the game. Uh, Theo Bear is difficult because he came on and was basically, you know, another attacker. And it's hard to attack when your team's defending for the whole time you're on the field. And sort of the same with Raposo and Metcalf came on and, you know, he was, he was only, he wasn't on for the longest of spells, but, you know, he was there and, uh, he got his name out there on the uh, the team sheet. So hats off to the former TSS Rover, the Vancouver Academy product. But uh, yeah, so those were my uh, player rankings, not ra- uh, ratings, I guess I should say. And I'm glad that for the most part, Sebastian agreed with me. We do that quite a lot, but, you know, we do have our differences here and there. <laughs> Um, but, yeah, I think that just about wraps up the San Jose game. We've got a little bit of time to look at the rest of the group and the Seattle preview before we do wrap this episode up. But any closing thoughts from the San Jose
1: match? Um, for me, not, not too much. I think I got all the points that I wanted to get across. Um, I think you have to give credit to the San Jose because they did push the Whitecaps to the limit and they just kept throwing bodies forward. Um, They kept pressing forward. Their high press was in the end, as I said before, much more game changing than it was for the Whitecaps. Um, So um, MDS did say it was a painful, painful yet very uh, valuable loss for this group, this group of players. I, I think it's going to be a very uh, important game to look back on. I, I feel like a lot of players won't want to look back on it, but I think they will have to, and it's something that's going to make these players better when they look back at the tape of the game. Um, they'll mm-hmm. they'll be able to pick apart um, a couple of situations that they can build on from and also learn from. So I think um, although we all would have wished for the Whitecaps to at least keep the – the three-one lead, uh, I think it's very important for this team to go through something like this early on um, in this messed up season, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, yeah no, um,
0: I, I like the point that you know this is a very young team. I don't know the uh, exact age of like the overall age of the starting lineup, but it was like, it was very young.
1: it was like tr- in terms of squad in terms yeah. of the entire squad, I think it's around 25, 26 average. Yeah.
0: So, you know, a a pretty, I'd I'd say that's a pretty young squad. So uh, it's good that they went through something like this, that it is a learning experience. And again, just say, you know, the Whitecaps do make a run in this tournament or they find form in the regular season. I'd rather this loss happen first game after a four-month absence than in the middle of the season once we're picking up form and then this happens and they lose that confidence and they lose that form. So I am sort of glad that we got a game like this sort of, almost out of our system i guess yeah uh before moving on with this tournament and this season uh just looking at the group b standings now so san jose are now leading the group with four points uh, winning a draw uh of course they tied to seattle who's sitting in third place with one point chicago's in second they've got one win and vancouver who have only played one game they are in last place but you know that game against Seattle and uh, this Sunday evening—that's going to be a big one. That's Seattle's last game, and you know they're vying for either second or that uh, the top four third-place teams. So they're really—they've got something to aim for here. As the Whitecaps, they've still got you know that game against Chicago in a little bit over a week, but still they don't want to leave it that late. They want to get on the board now.
1: Yeah, um, I think it was uh, AFTN um, on Twitter that made a very good point. Just last night, um, before I went to bed, I checked Twitter and apparently AFTN said that um, Michael McCall, um, you can also go by that, um, but uh, he made a point that apparently if the Whitecaps lose against the uh, Seattle Sounders, they're out of the tournament. Yeah. Like, there's no coming back from it. So, it's arguably the biggest game so far this season for the Whitecaps. Um and it's it's so fitting it comes against Cascadia rivals too. Um so it's gonna be one heck of a game. I'm sure MDS will, will will try and get as much as he can done to make sure this team doesn't make the mistakes they did yesterday and try and make sure they're all in the right frame of mind as well. Um I I I have said this before, um, talking to a lot of people about the way caps. I don't know if I've said it on here on the pod necessarily, but um, I do feel like this white caps team is a lot more together than they were uh say two years ago or a year ago um last season they're, they seem like they're a lot more there's a lot more togetherness within this group so I feel like I'm not going to count them out of this tournament yeah I feel like if they can get their shit together I'm sorry for the language there <laughs> but if they can do that um they can for sure. They can for sure get get into a run and, and go deep in this tournament. Um, a lot of people before were were saying, "Oh, we don't really know what's going to come of this team." But I feel like going into the tournament, I was really positive with what this team can do, and I think um, we got we got a lot of a lot of positives from it. So hopefully, they can build off that.
0: So yeah, just before we head into uh, wrap, before we wrap this episode up, Sebastian, uh, before this Seattle game. If you're MDS, are you making any changes to your roster? Who are you starting instead of someone else, or are you changing the formation, or are you sticking to the 4 3 and you've got faith in it?
1: I think there's, there's not much changes you can really make. Um, MDS did say after in the press conference uh, post-match, he said the reason he didn't use all five substitutes was because he didn't want to force uh, players like Damiano Pasillo. Um, Simon Colein, all those young guys, Michael Baldissimo as well. He didn't want to force those guys onto the field. He didn't want to just put them in that environment as young players and um in such a pressurized game with so much on the line, really. He didn't want to put them in that environment. And credit to him for really noticing that it takes a lot of, I guess, I mean, people skill. I feel like that's a people skill, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm it it takes a lot of gut to do that. Um, so I, I credit MDS for that. I know a lot of people were, were getting on him for not making the five subs after. And I mean, he should have, I, I will say this, he should have brought on Cornelius, but mm-hmm. I credit him for for coming out and saying that because he said it himself. He wants these players to succeed. He wants them to be in an environment where they can show what they can do and succeed. So um, I credit him for that. And I, I don't know. I don't think I would make any changes to this lineup. I think the only one... Um, I would probably be looking forward to is a Cornelius change for Kamiri.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know where Cornelius is at in terms of fitness levels. We can probably ask MDS about that prior to the game on Sunday.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but other than that, uh, I don't. I don't think I'd make any other changes. I think um, the midfield just has to be a little bit better. I wouldn't be surprised if we maybe saw like a a, t- a two man midfield maybe. Mm-hmm. maybe i'm not sure okay but i feel like if i'm mds i'm probably going to stick with the same lineup, and i might just um change uh kamiri put kamiri out and send in cornelius
0: if i'm mds i'm yeah, what looking you
1: do if you're MDS?
0: if i'm the mds i'm looking at a seattle side that's going to come at you that it's a big rival that the defending champions they don't want to be out after in the group stage of this tournament you know they want to be all in right from the get go. And at the same time, if you're in Vancouver, you've got to sort of counter that. And I'm looking at this game against San Jose where, you know, at the end of the day, it is San Jose. You know, it's not like they're Seattle, Atlanta, LAFC, you know, one of these high flying offenses. It is San Jose who's steady and they're, you know, bang average at a lot of things. So I think that Seattle really gonna come at you. And I feel like you can trust your defense in the sense that you've got Al Adnan, who's strong at the back. Veselinovic is a leader. Kripo is a leader. Awusu showed a lot of promise. Same with Tiber at uh, when they played an, a little bit deeper. I I wouldn't be. There's really I don't say there's no room for mistakes, but at the same time you've got to be looking at offense too. You've got to score to win games and. I mean, they, the the right Whitecaps realistically only had one goal from like their own uh, pl- their play really. Yeah, they had the Aljandar goal. True. So I I just don't think they had anywhere near enough possession and attacking sort of threat as I think they'll need to have to beat Seattle. I wouldn't be surprised if I'm MDS. I'm not, I don't I don't think he'll do this, but I'd like to see, say, a four four one one, with you know four at the back. Uh yeah, if yeah, four at the back and then say Tiber and Owusu in the middle and then obviously Dahomey Milinkovic. and then with Theo Bear up top with Jordi Reyna. And mm-hmm. I, I would like to see that, you know, Jordi Reyna, he's he's got a bit more energy and he he's still almost that, that it's similar to that center forward role where he can pick the ball up from a little bit deeper and take it forward, but he's still got a striker or someone in front of him to use and support. He can't do it all himself.
1: Yeah. So if you bring someone It's almost like he has a free roam in that type of role if he goes
0: into that 4-1-1. Yeah, if if it's that 4-4, he's got all that space between the midfields and the striker. All of that is his space, and that is where he thrives, and to me, that's where he's the most dangerous. So I'd love to see him with a little bit of support up there like Theo Bear, uh, Wusu and Tybert maybe jumping forward, and a winger, or Ali Adnan jumping forward like he does. I'd like to see that. Realistically, I think it's pretty much going to be the same starting eleven because We we're a little bit short for choices, but I would I would like I would like to see a formation change where uh, we we I think we drop dropping Imbong Huang would be more do more good than bad for me anyway.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Just before I guess we wrap up, just wanted to send uh, on behalf of Ben and myself and I guess the whole Whitecaps community, um, we wanted to send our condolences to uh, Brian Meredith, who's down in New Jersey. morning the the passing the unfortunate passing of his mom beth um i think it was it was so ill time that that happened um and of course it's his mother as well so uh if anyone has a chance just send a message to brian and we're all with him and during these tough times and apparently it was out of the blue as well like it, it just happened and so um due to that brian won't be able to come back to the mls's back tournament uh, again we understand the situation we um, you know it's a difficult time for Brian and right now it's important for him to be with his family down in New Jersey so that's the most important thing and yeah we're just sending our condolences to him.
0: Yeah we really are it's obviously you know tragic we you know don't wish that upon anybody and uh, it's it obviously given the state of the world is right now it's you know difficult to be with loved ones if you're not near each other and seeing each other on a daily basis it is hard to stay that human connection so it's it is extremely unfortunate and again we do uh pass our blessings onto the meredith family uh and we are hoping of course for uh the family the rest of the family to stay safe and stay together in times like this where they really need one each one another um and yeah i think on that note that's going to wrap up Episode 12 of the 90 plus podcast. We uh yeah, if you if you're not already following us on Twitter, be sure to do that at 90 plus podcast. From there, you can find my own account at Ligeti ben as well as Sebastian, Sebastian P74. There's lots of updates and the latest news and tidbits from everything, white caps you'll find on theirs. So be sure to be checking Twitter just before the start of that Seattle game this Sunday. Myself and Sebastian will uh, react to the uh, starting lineup we 'll see if any changes have been made, but uh, until then be sure just you know stay, so, stay safe, stay healthy be thankful that you are safe and healthy and you 're watching that the MLS is back tournament uh, we 've got soccer we 've got white cap soccer is back we are officially back and uh it was you know it was a wild ride last night it was a lot of fun and it was a lot of not fun at times as well but i'm (laughs) sure i'm sure sunday is going to be no different against seattle so be sure to check that out and stay tuned with myself and sebastian uh until next time